This morning, church, we continue on the series of prayer, and we're going to be looking at um, the place of faith in prayer. It's kind of a given, right? I mean, you can have you can have faith without praying, but you can't pray without having faith. If you think about it, right? So it's kind of a given that you've got to have faith to pray, even if you're just committing your life to the Lord or consecrating your life to the Lord. Still takes faith, right? No matter what you're doing, takes faith. But so it sounds like it is a given, but anyway. This morning we're going to dive into God's Word, and we're going to jump in straight to Mark 11. And all of you Bible scholars out there, I know I'm preaching to the choir already this morning, literally, haha. But um, Mark 11, it's, it's the chapter of faith, um, you know, the, the, and, and uh, the, it's about the prayer of faith as well. So in Mark 11, now the beginning of Mark chapter 11, we see Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem, and the people are shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. A couple of chapters later, they're going to be shouting, crucify him, crucify him. So we don't trust in man, we trust in God. And in verse, 20, verse 12, actually, we'll pick it up from verse 12. And we'll have to jump around a little bit because there's a lot of text and we haven't got that much time. But in verse 12, it says, Now the next day, when they had come up from Bethany, he being Jesus, was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he could find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus says to it, Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. They came into Jerusalem. Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the table of the money changers uh, and the seats of those who sold doves. And then we drop down to verse 20, uh, and now it says, Now in the morning, so this is the next day, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you have cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to him, Have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes the things that he says will come to pass, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, and as Sandy always says, when the Bible says therefore, stop and see what it's there for. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And... So this isn't, just a, this isn't just an optional. And when you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Now, if you're a child of God, if you've given your life to Jesus and accepted his sacrifice at Calvary, we're not talking about eternal salvation here. We're talking about sowing and reaping more than anything else. But your sins are forgiven, Okay. You do still need to forgive people, though. It doesn't, mean we gotta, it doesn't mean we just get off on this one. We do need to forgive. God is very clear. And so in this texture, we see this, this, the big picture. Jesus cursing the fig tree because he expects to find fruit in it. You know, Jesus was the... The, the, the Bible says that he went about uh, doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, healing people wherever he went. He did good wherever he went. 
But you see how he responds to the hypocrites, to, to the religious leaders of the time who were hypocritical, who were putting heavy burdens on others that they wouldn't carry themselves. And you see how he responds to them. And you see that happening to the fig tree here. You pretend to be something. God is not impressed. And he curses this thing, and it dies. And then he goes into the temple, and instead, and, and, and he overturns the, the tables. And he quotes Isaiah, where it says, and this is where our, our, our series comes from, where it says that my house should be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. And so he, he comes out the next day, and they see this fig tree, and they see that it's being withered, and it's died, because Jesus spoke to it. He just spoke to it. He said, no one eat fruit of you again. He cursed the thing, and it died. So within this texture, right in the center, we see in verse 24, we see what we, what we know as the prayer of faith, the prayer of faith. But the whole text around it, encapsulated all around it, is this, he gives this big correlation between faith and prayer. And when his disciples say to him, Lord, the fig tree that you've cursed has, has died, his response to them and to us today is simple. He says, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Jesus is here today building his church, and that's you and me. It's not a building. It's not numbers. It's individuals. It's people. He knows every hair on your head. Hey? He knows everything you're going through. He is with you and everything. He is here to build you today, and he says to you, have faith in God. Have faith in God. He's not going to let you fail. You might go through the rivers. You might go through the fire. But he will bring you out to rich fulfillment. He has promised and he will do it. He's not a man that he should lie. And so in the middle of all this context, I just want to look very briefly at the prayer of faith. I hope I'm doing this the right way. We'll see. Okay. So I'm going to look at the prayer of faith first of all, very briefly. Mark 11:24 says, Jesus speaking to them says, Therefore I say to you. Can you put that up in there, Debbie? Yeah. Now, unfortunately, um, you, you understand that the original text, they didn't have punctuation. They didn't have the commas and the, and the exclamations and what, whatever. The, 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 the publishers have put that in themselves where they feel fit. And sometimes I, I would encourage you to, to read, a, read a text and remove the punctuation and read it for yourself and you decide where the punctuation goes. Books can make, an, it, it can make a difference as to how we understand it. It helps sometimes. So if we read it this way, because the text says, therefore, whatever things you ask when you pray, Believe that you receive them and you will have them. So I just want to take that comma out and just say, whatever things you ask, comma, let's make that one thought. Whatever things you ask. The second one, when you pray, believe that you receive them. When you pray, believe that you receive them. Believe that you receive them is not an add-on. The, 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 the text is, when you pray, believe that you receive them. And then the third thing, and you will have them. And it shows a nice, clear sequence of events. It shows us that when, whatever things you ask when you pray, now obviously it assumes that you're coming to God based on his word and his will, based on his known will. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. If you don't know it, make it yours. Go and meditate on it until you know it, because it will give you strong confidence in your walk with God. See, that's the whole point of Jesus teaching us this stuff. It's not to, to, to put 
high bars there for us to have to jump, jump over or hurdles or say, okay, well, now I've got all these certificates and, and, and now I'm, I'm something. No, he's trying to teach us how to live a productive, successful life and to walk with God and for, to leave a legacy that is, that, is, that is of value, right? So he's teaching us now. So take it to heart. So take his word to heart. And 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says, and I can generally quote it off heart because I've meditated on it so many times, not because I'm showing off, okay? And I'll probably get it all wrong. But it pretty much says that, that um, when we ask according to his will, we, we know that he hears us. When we ask according, this is the confidence that we have in God, that when we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know we receive the petitions that we ask of him. It's a a foundational scripture. It's one you want to know. So Jesus is saying, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them. So it's assuming that we're praying in accordance with God's will. Okay? And he says, when you pray, believe that you receive. When you pray, believe you receive, and then you will have them. So you believe, you believe you receive when you pray. This is the prayer of faith, and it's not something to be clever or to say, well, you know, I've, I've, I've got all the details, and now I can pass the exam. No, no, that's how I can live by it. So when I pray, I believe that I receive what I'm asking of God when I pray, at the moment I pray. And I will have it. It's the next. It's the next thing in sequence. And I will. It might be one nanosecond later. It might be one minute later. It might be an hour or a day or a week or a month or a year later. But it's a sequence. But I receive it. I believe I receive it when I pray, and I will have it. Does it make sense? So when we come to God, we come in faith. All right. Now, this here. Jesus wraps around it, and so we, I don't know that we're going to have much time to continue looking at this, because I want to go at, look at everything else that Jesus has wrapped around you, because he's, he's told us a lot. He's told us to, to look at the things we say. He says, he says, you know, whatever things you say to this mountain, believe that what you say he says, deal with your doubts. Huh? When you pray, don't, 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 don't doubt, but believe in your heart. And then he finally finishes it off with saying, and forgive your foes, and forgive. So I want to look at these things because when we come to God, we come to him. Jesus said that the Father is looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. So we don't come to God and fake it. I don't come to God in my prayer time and be something different to what I am for the previous 23 and a half hours. It's, it's got to be authentic. I, I've got to. And so this is what will teach us how to become people of faith in order that when I pray, I'm praying in faith. I'm praying my native language. It's not something foreign to me. It's not something I've got to harp up or get constipated about trying to get out because, you know, no, it needs to be real to me. It needs to be part of my life. Okay, so the first thing that Jesus does, he teaches them the power of faith and how to appropriate uh, it in your prayer life and in your daily walk. So let's go back to Mark 11.23. Is that okay so far? You're with me so far? Sure, it's okay doing that then. All right, good, cool. So Mark 11.23. Could you open that? So, Mark eleven twenty three, Jesus speaking. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, 
but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. And I just encourage you, look how many times he uses the word whoever says to this mountain. Uh, says to the mountain, believes the things that he says. He will have what he says. There's, there's, there's power in our words. Now I understand that um, a lot of people have, have, have misused this text and, and, and that's on them. It doesn't take away from the fact that the person speaking, this is the master, it's Jesus himself, right? This is his teaching to us. And he tells us, there is power in your words. If you would say to this mountain, be removed. You know, the Bible tells us that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Do you remember that old saying, gigo? We used to say, we used to do in computer, you know, garbage in, garbage out. If you, if, if you feed rubbish, garbage into the equation, you're going to get a rubbish answer out of it. Gigo, garbage in, garbage out. And it's also goodness in, goodness out. Put good in, and it applies to our lives. Because the Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what we have to do is learn to take, a, take care of what we are putting in our heart. What are the things that we are meditating on? What are the things that we are placing value on? What do we value? Because those are the things we'll pay attention to. You know, when I first got saved, I just knew I had to get God's word into my life because I was 29 years old. I was, I was a mess. I didn't, I didn't know God from Adam. And I, did, I had no idea what he expected from me. I understood vaguely that Jesus died, and I believed with all my heart, and I received him as my savior, but that was where it finished. I just knew that I had to get his word inside of me. And I bought the, the Bible on cassette, and I used to play it on my cassette. You guys don't look at me blankly. We don't, didn't have whatever you have nowadays. I don't even know what you got. Yeah, downloads or whatever, I don't know. But it was on my cassettes. I had all my cassettes, you know, and I put them in there. The, 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 and I'd listen to them when I was driving in the car, and I'd listen to them on the weekend, and I'd listen, because I just knew. I placed high value on God's word. I knew that these were words of life to me. I knew I needed to cha be changed in the way that I think. I had, to, I had to have a transformation from the inside out, and I knew it had to come from hearing the word of God and from being changed from the inside out. And so the, we, too... We need to be changed. We need to, if we want to change the words that we are speaking, we can put law on ourselves and we can say, I will not, I will not, I will not. I won't use that word again. I won't. You're going to fail because the Bible is very clear that we don't live by, by the law. It's just, a, it's just a guaranteed way to fail. But we walk in the spirit and not, and not according to the law. We are to walk in the spirit. And the way we do that, get the word of God inside of us. Esteem the things of God highly. Making them a value in our lives. You know, the, the, uh, uh, where is it? Um, Matthew 6. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Romans 8 says, set your mind on the things that gratify the Holy Spirit, not on the things that gratify the flesh. If we do these things, that is what we will value. The more you do something, the more you're going to value. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And this is what's going to change us from the inside out. But I digress anyway. But we want to get God's word on the inside of us. And to do that, there's no point trying to get a law, read the Bible in a year, do this, do that. Man, you can do lots of things that are good. I'm not against them. But what I'm saying is, wait, what do you value? What do you treasure? Let the word of God be something that you treasure and put great value on. When we come together in the morning, let's, let's reach in and grab what we can out of God's word because he wants to teach us something so that we can walk closer with him, so we can have a successful life. So I want to look at this account in Mark chapter 5. 
And this, this woman, ah, when we get to heaven, church, we are going to line up and, she, and we're going to make a walk past and each one of us is going to give her a huge, the biggest hug ever. I'm telling you, I love this woman. I love her faith. It's the story in Mark 5 of this woman with the issue of blood. Now, Jesus is on the way to, to Jairus. He's a ruler of the synagogue. His daughter is lying at the point of death. He's asked Jesus, please come and heal her. Jesus is going. And while they are going, this woman, who is just called a woman, uh, a certain woman, you know, he didn't call out her name and embarrass her. It's just a certain woman, but he knows her name. And he said, a certain woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years. And then he will pick up her story from Mark 5, 27. And it says that when she heard about Jesus, she, became, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his clothes. For she said, it's power of words again, for she said, faith speaking from the heart, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Excuse me. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out from him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitudes thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? But he looked around to see, to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, I love this. He says to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. You know, it's the only time in the Bible that, God, that Jesus uses that word daughter. It's just this, this thing of tenderness. It's, it's just this love and tenderness. You know, this, this woman, she'd, she'd been suffering this for 12 years. She could easily have said, it's over for me. There's no hope for me. Uh, she's ceremonially unclean. She has no right to be there. She's, a, she's literally a social outcast. She, she could easily have, have, have just given up. She could easily have said, there is no hope. The crowds are too large. There is no point. But she said, she, she got hope. She heard of Jesus. I'm so glad you gave up those cards this morning to, to, to invite people to church. People need to hear of Jesus. When they hear of Jesus, when they, when they hear our testimonies, when they hear the goodness of God, oh, faith can come. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. People need to hear about him. How will they know unless they are told? They need to be told. And she heard of Jesus and faith came. Faith came. And she says, if only I may touch the hem of his garment. Some time back, we had just started the church. This is, this is slightly negative, but stay with me because there's a pointer. We had just started the church, and we preached from this, from this texture. And some woman who had joined us for that day, I won't say what, where she was from, um, she came up to us afterwards, she came to me afterwards, and she pulled out all this paraphernalia. And she said she wanted to, she, she wanted to, she, you, you know the scripture where she came and touched the hem of Jesus' garment? I want to show you, according to Jewish tradition, that this, the, the, it wasn't just the hem of his garment. It was this. And it was, I don't know, like the thing they put, the, the rabbis put around their neck. And this has got all these different pictures on it. And this woman knew that one of those pictures was the wings of an eagle. And so she knew, she had a faith, because she knew that healing would rise in his wings. And that, so she touched, she had to touch that one, and she was healed. We told her where to get on her bike and where to get out of this place, not to come back. Honestly, honestly, charlatans, I, 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 you know, let, let me tell you, 
there, God is straightforward. God is, and I mean this in the most respectful ways, right? God has revealed himself to us. You do not need to know what, what, about the, the, the flea under the, under the armpit of the, of the Antichrist to be able to be acceptable to God or to come to Him. You don't need someone to stand between you and God for you to be able to come to Him. You come to God because He says, come to me. He doesn't say, you need to understand these deep mysteries before I will heal you. Nonsense. Nonsense. You reach out to Jesus. He's paid the price for you. He loves you. He is for you. You don't need man to stand between you and intercede for you. You go to Jesus directly. He is, he, oh, he is for you. He is for you. Amen. So, this woman, she comes to Jesus. She's just heard of him. She's never been able to go and sit in his meetings and hear all the teachings, but she's heard of him and she has enough faith and she touches him. You know, I think it was Augustine, St. Augustine, who said, you know, the flesh presses, but faith touches. And Jesus felt this touch. All the people were pressing in against him. But faith reached out and touched him. And he turns around. And this woman, fearing and trembling. I love people who will do things in fear and trembling. Oh, come on, man. When did the last time you did something for the first time? When is the last time you did something in fear and trembling? You know, let's, let's be desperate, church. Let's be desperate for the things of God. Let's put ourselves out there. It's never comfortable getting out of the boat. Never comfortable. But come on, God is worth it. God's worth it. Hey, so she said what came out of her mouth. Faith speaks, just like um, like the like the like the uh, like Paul said. You know, we too have the have the same spirit of faith. Therefore, we speak. Faith speaks. But she had a God. But in order for us to get there, guard your hearts. Make sure that you know what you're putting inside of your heart, because garbage in and garbage out. Goodness in, goodness out. Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. It determines the course of your life. Now, there's another scripture in, in James as well, which, which he says about your tongue. No man can tame the tongue, but it's like a rudder which steers the whole ship, this little thing that steers a whole ship, this little rudder. But the rudder itself, remember, comes from the words from your heart. Guard your heart, for it determines the course of your life. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Does that make sense? Are you with me? Cool. So, we need, to, we, need to, we need to say what we pray. Say what we pray. And then secondly, deal with our doubts. So, Mark eleven twenty three, 23, Jesus says, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. <coughs> Pardon me. Now, for sure, doubts come. We, 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 that's why we have faith, really, and I suppose, in a sense. Doubts come. But we have to deal with our doubts. We have to deal with, deal with your doubts before they deal with you. It's a truth, isn't it? You've got to deal with them before they deal with you. Classic example. Classic example has got to be Matthew 14. And we don't have much time, so I'm not going to read the whole thing. But it's a story. Not the story, because it's not a story. It's, it's, a, it's an account, rather. It's an account. When the disciples are in the boat and Jesus comes out to them walking on the water. <laughs> they get a fright. How would you like to see Jesus walking on the water? Get a bit of a fright, right? And they all get this huge fright. But Peter says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you. And Jesus says, come. And Peter gets out the boat and he starts to walk on water. 
Phew, come on. He starts to walk on water. I mean, at, at one word from God, church, we can walk on water. No, I don't mean physical. We're not going to go and drown ourselves, okay? But we can walk on. We can get out of the boat. We can get out of our comfort zone. Jesus is saying, come, stretch forth the pegs. Stretch, let them stretch forth. Come on. We can get out of the boat. So Peter gets out the boat. And he's walking on the water. But then he sees the wind and the waves. Now, how do you see wind? Yeah, you don't see wind, right? But he sees the effect of it. And he sees the waves. They're getting churned up. And he gets his eyes off Jesus and onto the situation. And he starts to sink. You ever had that sinking feeling? It's going well and suddenly you get that sinking feeling. Peter's getting that sinking feeling. Help! He took his eyes off Jesus. But praise God, Jesus never took his eyes off him. He was right there and he just put out his hand. He said, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? And I think to myself, what? Peter of little faith. He's the only one that had the guts to get out of the boat. I'd rather be a wet water walker than a dry boat Christian any day, right? He got out the boat. He got wet. But at least he had the faith to do it. And Jesus says to him, you of little faith. Sorry, you of little faith. You know what? It's not how we start. It's how we finish. It's not how we start. We, we, We need to start in faith. We need to step out in faith. But without endurance, without being willing, without being able to to stay with it, we will fail. We've got to see it through to the end. And so Jesus says to him, you have little faith. Well, you've got faith, but you didn't see it through. You got your eyes off me, and that's why you started to, to drown. We have got to be willing and able to keep our eyes on Jesus, not to look at the circumstances. And it's tough. It's tough. My contract's come to the end of three weeks' time. I don't have another job. I've got a huge mortgage to pay. What are we going to do? Jesus! <laughs> Jesus! Yes, we're going forward. But we don't look at the bank account. We don't look at the sore thumb when I'm looking for healing. Stop looking at the problem. The Bible says we don't look to the things which are seen, but to the things which are not seen. And it doesn't mean that we don't see them. But what he's saying is don't look to them. Don't look to the bank account but look to God who is unseen. Yeah, Don't look to the sore thumb for the healing. You know, one of the worst things we ever do when we pray for people for healing is we say, how do you feel now? What's it got to do with your feelings? Why do we look at our feelings? Do, when you got saved, did you, did you suddenly feel saved? You know, sometimes you can wake up, and you can be married for 30 years. You can wake up in the morning, you don't always feel married, but you're married. I'm glad I'm married, but I don't necessarily feel married. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah? I don't always, I don't always feel safe. Come on, put me, in, put me in the car on the M27. I don't always feel saved. <laughs> I don't want to be saved at times. I want to just, you know, people are so, drives so terribly. But the point is, is not to look at what we feel. It's not to look to what we can see. But look to God. Look to the unseen. Look to the promises of God. They are sure. James says, let him, when you ask, let him ask in faith, not doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven to and fro and tossed by the wind. That's what what doubt does to us. It knocks us around. Water is the most unstable, uh, uh, unstable entity. Yeah, thank you, good word. Unstable. I mean, you stand under just parts, right? It can't hold you. It sloshes to and fro. We we don't want to be like that. That's what doubts want to do to us. Now, doubts come, so don't get into condemnation. But this is where we don't look. The the doubts come, 
the more we look to the things, the more we look at the things causing the doubts. Get your eyes off them and get your eyes onto Jesus. Deal with your doubts. Start speaking to them. When you, when you start doubting something, say, no, no, I doubt that doubt. I'd speak to your doubt. I doubt that. I don't doubt God. I doubt the doubt. I bet you it won't come to pass. Don't, but doubt your doubts. Faith speaks. Speak the word of God. And finally, forgive your foes. Jesus said, uh, and when you stand praying. And when. This is not an optional extra. And when you stand praying. If you have anything against anyone, forgive him. That your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. For if you don't forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. When you stand praying, forgive. That means it's an instant. It's a decision. It's a choice. I don't have to leave the room and I don't have to do anything special to forgive someone. I can do it when I stand praying. When I stand praying also denotes my, my, my posture, my external posture. I'm standing praying. But he says, if I've got anything against anyone, that's, that's my internal posture. I've, I've got a problem on the inside and God is interested in what's going on in the inside. Who we are becoming is far more important to God than anything we accomplish or do. Who we are and who we are becoming. What's going on in the inside. That's what God's after. And he says, when you stand, forgive. I love, actually, Matthew 5.44. Matthew 5.44. This is Jesus speaking. And he says, you have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use and persecute you. Why? Verse 45, why? That you, be, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. I love that word that Sandy shared this morning in the offering from Ephesians 5 in the message. It says, watch what God does and then do it. Watch what God does. Watch what God does and then do it. You know, we know 1 John 1, 9. For us as, 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 as Christians, as those children of God, we can come to God when we fail and we can say, Father, I, I repent of my sin. And he says, he is faithful and just to forgive us. If we confess our sins, faithful and just to forgive us. I remember a, a, a lecture in Bible school when we first got saved. He said this, he said, one of the marks of spiritual maturity is, is how quickly we can receive forgiveness and move on with it. You see, it's not that God doesn't give forgiveness instantly. We can't receive it instantly. It's us, not him. He's giving it. We can't receive it because we want to go through this little thing of holding on to our guilt, our shame, feeling bad about ourselves. We have got to learn to forgive. God forgives instantly as far as the east is from the west. He removes our sins from us. It's caught into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered again. And he says, be like John. you want to be like your Father in heaven. Forgive others so that you can be like your Father in heaven. And it takes faith to forgive because it's not fair. It's not, they hurt you. Why are you the one that's got to deal with the situation? Why are you the one that's got to keep forgiving and they walk off free? It's not fair. There's no justice in that. But Jesus says, mercy triumphs over judgment, doesn't it? And it's the way of God. So you need faith to forgive because you believe that God's ways are right. You know, he said, my ways are higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so much higher are my ways than yours. And it doesn't mean that he's saying this is a huge bar, you can't jump. He says they're so much better. My ways are so much better than yours. You forgive. Come on, we all know we don't have to preach on this. 
We all know if you forgive, you get rid of any, you get rid of bitterness, you get rid of, you get rid of everything. You, you, it sets you free. The pain, the hurt, the offense, the angst can't bother you today if you've let go of it. But you hold on to it and it continually hurts you. So how many times do you forgive? Seven times a day, Lord, should I forgive my brother seven times a day? Seventy times seven. 490 times a day. I don't know how many times an hour is that. It's plenty. So I would suggest it's probably your thought life he's talking about. 400. Every time you think of that person, forgive. Just, just let it go. Just forgive. Just, just keep casting that down. Keep filling your heart with good things. Guard your heart above all things because out of it flow the issues of life. Good in, you'll have good out. The words of your mouth will bring life to you. They will set you on a course of life. And they will, they will enable you to live a life of faith because they give you great assurance before God. You know, we are saved by the blood of Jesus. We, we can come to before God even in the midst of sin, in the midst of falling, in the midst of temptation, in the midst of anything that you would not want to be in, right? Anything that would embarrass or shame you. You can stand before God because the truth is you do. <laughs> Whether you like it or not, you do. He's in you. He doesn't block his eyes and his ears when you sin. He's there. He was there. He saw it. He was there, right? But you can come to him and you can say to him, like the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 4, come boldly, come with confidence, come with confidence to the throne of grace to receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. No matter what you're going through, you can come to God. You can be strong in him. Lionel Peterson, a worship leader from our church back south, he had the song and he said, he said, I don't remember all the lyrics, but he said, forgive, forgive, don't let it live. Don't let the darkness of Satan in. Send it away. You've got to forgive. And I think of that whenever I'm really angry with somebody or really don't want to let go. Don't let the darkness of Satan in. That's what it is. You've got to forgive. Send it away. Don't let it live. Don't let it live. We want to be imitators of God. We want to watch what God does and we want to do it ourselves. And it will give us great boldness, a great confidence before God. Knowing that we stand before Him as dearly loved children, holy and beloved. If you've been through an abusive relationship, mental, emotional, physical, it doesn't mean you've got to stay in that relationship. But you do have to forgive. And if the other person doesn't repent, you have to love them as your enemy. They might do. There may be no place for reconciliation, but you have to love them anyway. It doesn't make you a, doesn't make you a victim. In fact, it makes you a victor because you can walk free from whatever has happened in your life. So this morning, have faith in God. Have faith in God. This was Jesus' message to the disciples. They saw the fig tree and they said, Look at the fig tree that you cursed. He says, have faith in God. Because Jesus is here today to build you, not to put hurdles in your way, not to put block, you know, barricades in your way to make life difficult for you. He wants you to have a good life, a successful life, to leave a legacy. Have faith in his character. Have faith in his ways. Have faith in his word. And live your life accordingly. Amen. So this morning, I'm going to close in prayer. And um, if the worship team, Femi, if you guys got something you want to sing at the end there, play for us. 
But I'm just going to close in prayer and just say, Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, at times it seems impossible to do. It's not my ways, Lord. My way is not to forgive. My natural way is not to forgive. I, I don't know how to do that in my own ability, Lord. I don't know always how to keep looking to you when I see the bank account going down, Father. I don't know how to keep looking to you when circumstances just tell me that I'm going to drown and I'm going under. But Father, I thank you that, that you in me, Christ in me, the hope of glory, will bring it through. That Jesus, that you are the author, which is the beginner, the one who began, the author and the perfecter of my faith, of each and every one of us, Lord. So Lord, I just thank you for the good work which you've begun in us. And I thank you that you bring it to completion, Lord. So I pray over us, over each and every one. And I just say, Father, touch lives today, Lord. I pray for faith to arise, Father, in those circumstances, those, in those hard places, Lord, where we've been looking for jobs, where we've been looking for, for help, for support, for whatever it might be, Father. I thank you for faith in those hard places, Lord, for faith in the hard places. That this week is going to be a joyful and victorious week for each and every one, Lord. So I just pray your blessing and your protection and your provision upon each and every household. I thank you undertake for everyone, Lord, for your children. You know us by name, Lord. So we give you thanks this morning for your word. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen.